You're listening to SM Media, the number one place for exclusive content. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Scottish Football Show right here on SM Media. I'm Scott McPide, delighted to be your host as always. A very busy show this week and we've brought two of the best guests along with us. First of all, the editor of the Commandment Standard. Uh, what kind of mood are you in after the performance? Are you optimistic? Lachlan Haggett, how are we doing? Uh, yeah. uh, I, it's Kelly's done it before, losing the first leg and coming back to win, so... I think uh, getting that goal back at, at Dens was was vital. To be fair, because coming back two or three 0 down would have been pretty uh, a, a pretty tall order. Um, but no, I'm feeling feeling all right. Just need to to win the match. That's, that's all you can ask, you know, at home in the, the plastic park. So definitely, we're also joined by. I'm delighted to welcome Scott McDermott, the chief sports writer for the Sunday Mail. Scott, it's a pleasure to welcome you onto the show. Thanks for coming on. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for thanks for having me. Brilliant. How have you been? How's how's things been lately? Not bad. Uh, working from home as usual. Um, just been tough. That's got a year, probably over a year now, working for the working for the house. Um, but listen, I'm not going to complain. Still getting to games. Um, no, it's not the same. Obviously, without without supporters, it's it's a totally different experience. But I'm getting to press conferences. Still getting to talk to players. Getting to games. So I can't I can't grumble too much. Is it safe to say it's been a busy week this week? Uh, aye, well, it's kind of last week for me, obviously, been the, with the Sunday Mail. Um, but last week was quite busy just with, the, obviously, the Scotland squad announcement. That was, that was a big one during the week. Uh, and everything that kind of went round that. Um, spoke to Steve Clark, obviously, after the announcement. Um, did an interview with uh, Grant Hanley, who's obviously, who's obviously in the squad. And then uh, Saturday with the, the cup final. Um, but listen, it wasn't too bad because because everything was geared towards Scotland and the cup final, so there's no firm press conferences, stuff like that. So um it was a good week. And again, despite the, the no fans, I enjoyed the enjoyed the game on Saturday. Brilliant. We'll get into that later on in the show. But we'll start off with a back in a unfortunate news at the start of the week, obviously the incident surrounding Peter Lowell. It just it, it's just disappointing, and it's got like, it just shows how how low the that can get at times. Just horrible. I mean, despicable. But whether it's whether it's Peter Lowell or anybody else, I mean, no, any human being that's no at their own home with a family. I mean, I think there was young kids in the in the house as well. I mean, it's just when you hear stuff like that. I mean, it's it's, it's far bigger than, than football. I mean, it just it disappoints you just from a societal point of view. You just wonder wonder where we are. Who would do such a thing? Um, and as I say, you know, whether it's Peter Lawwell or anybody else, um, horrible to read and, and see the see the pictures that we that we've seen last week. Um, and obviously, you hope that whoever's whoever's responsible gets caught and and is dealt with appropriately. Yeah, definitely. Welcome. What was your thoughts on it? Obviously, an unfortunate incident. I, as Scott said, you know, it's it's not even to do with football. You know, when when something like that happens, it's just uh, it's vile to to see. You know, those scenes and. Obviously, as Scott said again, you know there was young kids involved as well. It's just, it's, it's just, it's not even 
anything to do with football. It's just, like, it's hard to put into words, really. It is. It's, it's awful when you see things like that. It's... I think football, football people or people in sport get used to criticism and taking a bit of abuse and a bit of slack and stuff like that. And although it's, it's no nice, no, usually you find a lot of, a lot of people in this game they've got a thick skin they can deal with it I would certainly put Peter Lowell in that that bracket um, you know, he's obviously put up with a lot did a lot of good things obviously at Celtic as well but you know, he's he's big enough and ugly enough to take a bit of, a bit of stick when it's coming your way but I mean as Lachlan says again it's well, it's out with that I mean it's got nothing to do with football or sport I mean you're talking about a guy and he's and his family you're talking about life and death I mean it could have been absolutely horrendous Um if, if that had been more serious in terms of the in terms of the explosion of the, of the fire, so no, just um, as I say, really despicable, and uh, as I say, hopefully they get who did it. Definitely, it's a, a another kind of shocking incident over the past kind of month or so. We'll move on. We'll move on to the kind of main event over the week, which was obviously Steve Clark was picking the Scotland squad for the European Championship. Twenty six man squad, three more than usual. I'll just run through the squad quickly. We've got goalkeepers Craig Gordon, David Marshall, John McLaughlin, defenders Kieran Tierney, Andy Robertson, Grant Hanley, Scott McKenna, Stephen O'Donnell, Declan Gallagher, Liam Cooper, Jack Henry, Greg Taylor, Nathan Patterson. Midfielders John McGinn, Callum McGregor, Scott Armstrong, Scott McTominay, John Fleck, Billy Gilmer, David Turnbull. And forwards James Forrest, Ryan Christie, Ryan Fraser, Lyndon Dykes, Shea Adams and Kevin Nisbet. Lachlan, we'll start with you. Were you. What was your overall thoughts in the squad when you heard it? I think it's the right squad, to be honest. Uh, there's arguments for certain players maybe to be in that were just in the fringes. I'd imagine you've probably uh, already covered soon, so I'll not go into too much in that. But I think, to be fair, like the extra three bodies helped because you know I don't think you could admit three of them, really, with, with great ease. So I think he's he's done a good job and he, he has chosen the right squad overall. Scott, obviously you are you probably get the news before most of us. What was your first impressions of the squad when you heard it was it was announced? Uh, positive, largely positive. Um, a lot of guys that I wanted to see in there uh, were picked. A few names that I would like to have seen in there weren't. I think you're going to, you're always going to argue and debate over you know, over two or three of them. Um, I just, to be honest, I'm just, and yours will be the same, I just think it's brilliant that we're even debating and talking about a Scotland squad for a tournament. It just, it feels that kind of sense of anticipation, no waiting for the squad to be announced. Then the kind of arguments about who's in, who should have been in, or who's no there. I think we've just missed that so much. I know I have, um, in terms of being being at a major tournament. So, I think it's brilliant. I mean, when we... We did the Steve Clark Zoom match, even he had a laugh at the first thing he kind of said to us was he's, he's happy with the squad. And he's the kind of guy you can be honest with him. And I said, well, aye, pretty happy, but you know, probably argue argue one or two. But even he liked that, do you know what I mean? And he said, look, we're all going to have an argument about, about one or two, but he feels the balance is right. And that, that was the kind of key word for him. As I say, there's one or two in there. I'll still argue all day, and it's nothing against the player. I'll still argue all day that I don't see the point in Greg Taylor being in there when you've got you've got Robertson and, and Tierney, <clears throat> um, and there's probably one or two others that I would have, I would have swapped for for other guys. Um, I'd like to have seen Ryan Gold in there. I think he I think he deserved it, especially being the 26, 26 man squad. 
Um, me personally, I would have taken Lee Griffiths almost as a kind of almost like a joker in the pack, a wild card. Listen, people of a pop at Griffiths, we know his his failings, but I just think in tournament football, knowing you've got that size of squad, you need somebody that you can turn to, you know, when you're needing a goal or if you get a set piece late on or whatever. And I just think Griffiths is I wouldn't want anyone else other than, than Griffiths in that, that type of situation. So Listen, I mean, we can argue to and fro about one or two of the names, but largely, largely really happy with it. There's three debutants going that haven't played yet, but we're all we're all really excited about them. David Turnbull, Billy Gilmer, Nathan Parson. Lachlan, do you think it is right that they three go? Um, yeah, I would say so. I think the only one you can argue is maybe Nathan Patterson. He's not played too many games this season, but, you know, he's probably the right-back of the future, so just to have him in about the squad, kind of getting used to it, I think that was probably the right call, to be fair, and he'll, he'll probably get a couple of friendlies before it, the, the Luxembourg and the Holland game. Uh, Gilmore, I think, that, that's basically was the, the chat all along, is he going to get in, you know, that was dominating all the all the chat, all the headlines, and again, he's going to be the future, so why not get these boys in, and especially with the, the three extra bodies as well, you know, you've You've got that in the bank, you know, that these players wouldn't have been there normally. So, and then Turnbull, he's been, you know, probably Celtic's best, one of the best players this season. So he has, so he's definitely there on merit as well. Yeah, definitely. One player I want to touch on that, that didn't make it was Ryan Gold. And I know we spoke about him before, but I spoke to a Portuguese journalist who's who's based over there and he's, he's talking, obviously he's a free agent. The likes of Porto, Benfica, Sport and Lisbon, they're all looking, looking at Ryan Gold and, Nine man of the match awards, Scott. He is he is setting the kind of world alight over there. Like, do you think? Why do you think he didn't make it? And do you do you think he is going to go on and be a, a top player? I do. I mean, I think he's a top player just now. Uh, if I'm being honest with what he's done in the Portuguese top flight this season, I think he'll get a big move this summer. Um, I think you're right. Everything I've heard. The, the big clubs in Portugal, the big four, if you like, Benfica, Sporting, Porto and, and Braga have all kind of registered an interest. I know, there's, I know he's got offers on the table already from you know, clubs in Europe, Spain, France, Poland, places like that, uh, MLS clubs as well. Um, I think Southampton, uh, I wrote a piece on Sunday that Southampton have now kind of registered an interest, probably the first, first kind of English Premier League club to, to kind of take note. I just think people will look the numbers that he's hit over there for a team that's been relegated. Um, he's a free agent. He's at a really good age. He's just had the best season of his career, uh, as fit as he's ever been. He's managed to get through this season with no, no major injury worries. So it'd be a great pickup for somebody on a, on a free transfer. Um, and I just think he's he's fulfilling the, the potential that, that anyone who, who's seen him when he was younger knew that he, knew that he had. I mean, I, I've not seen... I don't proclaim to have seen that much of him this season. You no, know, it's like the, the clips and the goals and the assists and that, like everybody else. But I don't need them to tell me how good a player is. I've watched him for, for long enough. This is just the fruition of you know, a lot of years of hard work for Ryan Gold, a lot of ups and downs, a few bumps in the road along the way in terms of uh, loan moves. So, listen, I, I expect him to get a really good move in the, in the summer, maybe a career-changing move. And I expect him to go on and, and really do well. I think he's he's found his feet in that league. I'd actually like I'd probably like to see him staying in that league. 
with one of the big with one of the big clubs because he's settled over there. He's fluent in Portuguese. I know he enjoys he enjoys the lifestyle over there. So um going back to the Scotland thing, I just think he deserved a shot. I don't know why Steve Clark's been so reluctant to to at least have a look at him. Um and no, Steve Clark's not really answered that. I don't think in the in the press conferences. I, I get the fact that the Scotland's midfield is, is our best area. And, and yeah. if if the man, if the manager thinks he's got midfielders better than Ryan Gold, I've got absolutely no problem with that. Steve Clark knows knows players better than better than me. My, my biggest issue is that he hasn't been brought into a squad to have a look at, you know, in training or you know, the past couple of squads. You could have called him in, you know, big squads where guys were called up late and. Uh, I, I don't really, I don't really understand the the reluctance um, when he's playing in one of you know, one of Europe's top or one of you know, a top European league. Um, I definitely think it was worth it was worth a look. Do you think obviously he went to was it Hibs a couple of years ago on loan and it didn't really work out? Yeah. Do you think that's maybe played a part in Steve Clark's decision or is that it? Do you think that's maybe overthinking it? No, possibly. I mean, I'd like to think Steve Clark oh, delved into that a bit deeper than that. I mean, he went to Hibs. We knew Lennon, uh, I think he played initially. Uh, I'm sure he picked up a, a bad hamstring injury at Celtic Park in the game and was out for, for a good period of time. By the time he came back, Paul Heckingbottom was in charge. Yeah. Things, had, things had changed at Hibs. Um, and I think he played the kind of last couple of games of the, the loan. Listen, it, it didn't work out for him for, for one, one, one reason or another, but... I mean, you kind of just, kind of just discard people. I mean, look, look at Glenn Middleton on Saturday, you know, in the cup final, what he's done at St. Johnson. I mean, he had a couple of loan moves to Hibs again, ironically, in uh, Bradford City, where didn't set the uh, set the world alight. So, no, it's got to be the right move. It's got to be the right time. Circumstances need to be right. I don't think Hibs and Ryan Gold was was a good fit at the time. Um, he's gone back. Had a brilliant season with Firenze last year. Player of the year gets them up, and then again this season, although they've went down, no, he's been playing against the top sides in Portugal and really showing up well. And as you touched on at the start, it's not just us saying it as Scots and just desperate for him to. No, he's had a claim from you no know, the the journalists in Portugal and websites over there and newspapers and stuff. So. Um, no, I think I think he's been really, really unfortunate. I know it would have meant a lot to him uh, to get in there, and I think probably you know, when I see it was probably a toss up between him and Turnbull to get into the squad, and that's again what I said at the start. I've got no no issue with Turnbull. I think he deserves to be deserves to be in there for what he's what he's did. Um, I suppose others maybe John Fleck again. I, I really like John Fleck as a as a player. Really like him, but. I'd have probably taken gold ahead of him for, for tournament football in terms of you know, really making an impact. Um, I would have had him in. But listen, it's just that's just my preference. What do we know? <laughs> Lachlan, are you a fan of Ryan Gold? I, I was Scott's, I was about to use Scott's final point there. Like said, Jordan Fleck, you know, there's a lot of players that can play that role that John Fleck's going to play, whereas I think Ryan Gold's quite unique. And his yep. style of play, you know, especially the form he's been on, he's, you know, the team he's with, it's not as if up the top end of the table either, but he's still, you know, setting the the world alight is, a, is the phrase that was used, and that's, that's fair enough, he is, he's getting spoke about all over the, the world, and as, as he's were saying, there's clubs all over the world wanting him, he's, 
he's been fantastic. And uh, obviously, his, his loan spell at Hibs didn't work out, but I think he's probably learned for that, and it's probably helped him mature. So, in a way, it's probably helped his career. You know, having that kind of disappointing spell over here, and he's obviously got his head down, worked hard, and the benefit of that's how he's playing. And I think, as again, as Scott was saying, I think Steve Clark could have at least had him in, having a look at him to see how he copes, you know, training with Champions League winner Robertson, stuff like that, because he's not had that experience of the, say, the, the big, you know, playing with big kind of players like that, whereas... But he's playing against Porto, Benfica, Sport, Lisbon. These are all big teams, and he's 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 playing well. So I think he's he definitely definitely worth at least a look at, you know. And I think I I would have probably had the man over the likes of John Flake and James Forrest. Like he's a huge player, obviously, but he's no played much this season due to injury. So surely somebody like Ryan Gold, who's been top performing all season, it's. Should in theory, I know James Forrest has been huge for Scotland. I'm, I'm not saying he's no, but when you look at it, who's played this season, who's played well this season, gold's up there, you know. So I definitely think he deserved a spot somewhere. I, I just, I just think tournament football, Scott. Um, you need guys that are going to, you know, give you that something a wee bit different. Um, yeah. I mean, Steve, Steve Clark said to us last week at the squad announcement, he, he admitted himself that. He probably, his exact words to us were that there could be between eight and ten players of the 26 who don't actually get off the bench, you know, don't go on the pitch. He said, but I hope they appreciate being there and they, yeah. you know, they, they appreciate being part of a tournament. And I, and I get that. You, you've only, you might only have three games, so you're going to go with your strongest 11. You're not going to deviate for it too much apart from you know, maybe tactical tweaks or a couple injuries. But to me, that makes it all the more important that when you look to the bench for something, you've got you've got guys that Lachlan says that are a bit a bit different, a bit unique, and can maybe just give you something. And that that's where the same argument goes for for Griffiths um, in a different way. But I think if if we were looking for somebody to open a, open a team up, if it was tight and you just when you needed that final pass, that killer ball, you no know, that 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 big assist. Then gold has proven, you no know, this this season that, that that's what he can give you. Um, so that that's the kind of frustrating thing for me. I, again, I understand about you no know, Fleck and Turnbull and others that, that are in there. I'm not complaining. These, these guys have been brilliant for Scotland um, and are really good players playing playing the Premier League. But as I said, just my personal preference. I think tournament football, you need to, you need to look at the bench and think who's going to give us something different. I think gold might have might have done that. That's it. Uh, sorry, Scott. At the end of the day, you look at your bench. You're not going to bring John Fleck on to change the game. That's just yeah. the reality of it. And yeah. That's what you're saying. Whereas Ryan Gold did have brought you that star quality. You know, he is. He's a he's a star. He's it's it's the same way. It's the same way on social media. And that a few people when I kind of said what my squad would be, and I didn't have Kevin Nisbet in it, and I obviously had Griffiths there. Aye. But my argument, I like Kevin this, but again, no qualms with him being in there and he's been terrific this season for Hibs, but I don't care what MD says. If we're 1-0 down to England at Wembley with 10 minutes to go and you're looking for, looking for a goal, if it's Kevin Nisbet or Lee Griffiths, I'm wanting Lee Griffiths every day of the week. And I'll tell you something else, if you're an England player or an England fan who 
even if you've not watched Scottish Scottish football, if you're looking over to see who's coming on, and it's Kevin Nisbet, it's a kind of shrug of the shoulders. If it's Lee Griffiths, you're think, they're thinking, oh, well, we know what this guy can do. Now, I know that was a few a few years ago, and you can't, you, know, you can't live on kind of past, past glories, but I just think, again, tournament football, late on, needing somebody to change it for you. I would have had I would have Griffiths over somebody somebody like Nisbet. And by the way, Nisbet and Griffiths could have been in the squad because there's enough there's enough room for them. But that's that's the argument for me. I'm a huge fan of Kevin Nisbet, but I, I keep going back to something Craig Brown told me a few years ago. It was really interesting. He says when he didn't take Alan McCoy's to France, he said, as soon as I done it, I regretted it because if you are, if if you are needing a goal when you've got a bench and you've got Alan McCoy's there. You've got you. You feel like as if that could be that could be all it takes. Now, Lee Griffiths this season, obviously, we've seen the kind of problems he's had and things like that. But there's a couple of games where he's come on and won Celtic games. No, I, I was at Petardry a couple of weeks ago in the, the midweek game where well, he's been out the picture for Aye. a while. You're not thinking about him. Comes off the bench last ten minutes and gets uh, gets equaliser. So. You know, at the back post, getting away from his man, Aberdeen defended brilliant that night. Griffiths mm. was only on, was only on a short time, and he just gets that yard of space at the back post. Listen, that's whether you like it or no, that's just the type of player he is. We'd all love to see him being a hundred percent fit, you no know, flying for Celtic every week, you no know, back to getting 25, 30 goals. He's no in that place at the moment, but if, if he, it's a twenty-six man squad, I mean, you've got. You've got to have room, I think, for somebody like that. And again, you might not use them. You might be one of the eight to ten that Steve Clark's talking about that doesn't doesn't get off the bench. But honestly, if 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 we're if we're needing a goal, even in the other games, Croatia, Czech Republic, and you no, know, it's late on, and you can throw somebody on. He's the guy I would want to put on. Yeah, I, I, I do. I did expect him to go. I thought, like, can I look through my my squad? I, I didn't think. I didn't think he would go, but I did. I was hoping he would because I, I think you've got he's that kind of guy you need. Even I go back to that St. Johnson game at this kind of start of the season where Celtic were really, really poor. He came on and won the game and completely changed yeah, the way. Like that's that's what he can do. But there's a couple of kind of ones before we move on to the, the Scottish Cup final. Obviously, the central defence, I think, for the past few years has been a problem for, for Scotland. We've got Hanley, McKenna, Gallagher, Cooper, Hendry. Who, start, who do you think starts? Obviously, we think, we think they're going to go back to the team and he's going to be in there. Who do you start alongside him? It's an interesting one. I, th- I think Tierney definitely starts left there, back three. Uh, I think now Hanley starts centre of the back three. Um, you know, he came into the last squad, played every minute of the three games. Has had a brilliant season by all accounts with, with Norwich um, in terms of getting up to the, the Premier League. So the spot that's up for grabs is obviously right right centre-back. Um, we know McTominay can do a job in there and we know what he brings because he gives you um, that ability on the ball. Uh, he's, he's better than MD we've got. He's better than any defender we've got at playing out for the back because mm-hmm. he's a natural midfielder, obviously. Um, I think McTominay's just such a good player. He could, he could pretty much play anywhere, to be honest. But I think if Jack was in the squad, I think McTominay would have played defence. But no, I think it's different. Might be right. I think, I, I think you're right. I think McTominay will now play in midfield um, with Jack and McLean. No, there. No. Uh, I think McTominay has to play in midfield. So there's a spot up for grabs there, right, right centre back. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, see who gets it. I mean, Declan Gallagher. 
has been a wee bit unlucky. I mean, I was probably started Declan Gallagher's Scotland career. I was questioning why he was there, whether he was going to be good enough. But in those those few nations league league games that got us to the uh, sorry the playoff games that got us to the Euros, Gallagher was outstanding. Um, no, he was brilliant in, in Serbia that night up against up against Mitrovic. So he's probably been unfortunate. You know, maybe a lack of game time at Motherwell uh, due to injuries and other things that he, was, he didn't play in the last camp. But he'll be a contender. Obviously, Hendry got a wee chance the last time. Again, probably gives you a wee bit more ability in terms of playing out playing out for the back. But that spot is definitely up for grabs. And I don't even know if, if Steve Clark will have decided yet who's, who's going to play there. Yeah, definitely not. Right, Lachlan, we're going we're gonna to put you put you both in the spot. Will Scotland qualify out of this group? Yes. <laughs> Scott, what's your thoughts? I need to be positive. I need to be need to be optimistic. I'm gonna say yes. We'll we'll squeeze through. Um we'll squeeze through. England will be England will top the group, we'll squeeze through in second. Uh, is it top two through? Is it just as simple as that? Top is two and third place fourth and third I think four third place teams get through, so aye, I think so then. I think we'll at least be a, a best third place. Aye. The first game's crucial, obviously. Aye. Hope the checks at Hamden. Obviously, they love the place to be bouncing. No, fifty thousand people in there. I think if we had that, no, I would really fancy us strongly. Just because I always, no, I always fancy us when we're, when you get that home crowd. Um, do you think we've always ten thousand there? I think that obviously the situation's going to change the past couple of weeks. But do you uh, do you think there will be a crowd there? I think there'll be twelve thousand there, but I don't know how many will be Scotland fans. That's that's sort of thing. Um, out of that twelve thousand, so I mean, it's going to be really different. Uh, it's going to be really different. But you need to. Go, I think you need to get off to a fly on that game. You can't. You can't lose that first game, and you need to hope. It sounds ridiculous, almost dismissing Croatia and the team of Modric and people like that. And but you're just hoping Croatia maybe just. Well, past their best a wee bit. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're definitely not the team they were a few years ago, obviously, when they were beating England at the at the World Cup. Um, still hugely difficult for us, but we need to be optimistic, need to be positive, and let, let's hope we can get through for the first time. Yeah, definitely. We'll move on to the, the game on Saturday at Hamden, the, the Scottish Cup final. St Johnson won the double. Sean Rooney with another Cup final goal as he beat Hibs 1-0. An unbelievable achievement for St Johnson. Scott, you were at the game. What was your overall takeaways for the game? Oh, St. Johnson were deserved winners. There's no doubt about that. I mean, uh, I mean, if you take Hibs first, I mean, just really disappointing for Hibs. Just big players. Did went wrong? I don't know. I mean, just big players didn't turn up on the day. I mean, I went into the game thinking, knowing fine well what St. Johnson were like, and. You, you can rely on St. Johnson, probably, you know, to give your performance every time they, pretty much every time they show up. But I just thought, nah, Hib, Hibs are of that wee bit extra quality. You no, know, after I was at the semi-final against Dundee United and Nisbet and Doidge and Boyle were probably the difference, you know, in getting them, getting them there. And I'm thinking, you no, know, if, if they turn up again, they'll, they'll just be, they'll just be that bit too strong for St. Johnson. But, no, they're, they're a team you should just never write off. You no, know, great mentality, so strong defensively. I think they've got a brilliant manager. I mean, Callum Davison, 
I, I like him because he's a great guy, first and foremost, but he's proven to be a really great manager. He's brilliant for us to deal with in the in the press. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really pleased for him, uh, especially. But I don't know many of the St. Johnson players personally, but they seem like a really brilliant bunch. You know, there's a real togetherness about them. As I say, Davison's kind of fostered that no real kind of resilience and mentality and obviously he's, he's sorted the defence to the back three again were, were outstanding and no Hibs, Hibs front players just won the, won the in the game so no, St Johnson thoroughly deserved it could and probably should have won be won be more um, and Rooney again what can you say about him I mean, two, two winners and two cup finals it's just ridiculous for a right back Um and he's some character as well. We go to interview him after the game, and all he could talk about was getting out in the beers, basically enjoying his summer. You've got to love that. Uh, so, no, brilliant for them. Phenomenal achievement. We'll probably never see it again. I don't think a provincial club, uh, maybe in my lifetime, no, no winning, winning the two, winning two trophies in the one season. So, um, amazing, amazing achievement for St. Johnson. Definitely. Lachlan Callum Davidson, obviously won. He's won both cups. Just how big an achievement is that for a manager who's who's only his first job, first year on the job? How big an achievement is that? Oh, it's incredible. I mean, he's he's got a lot to live up to now. Though. How did they, how did they improve that season? <laughs> eh, no, but well, it's it's amazing. It just shows you it's only the second time it's ever happened. Out a team outside the old firm eh, winning the double, and I think even then that was Aberdeen, who are you know a huge club, especially back then. Um, it's just incredible. Like you know, your first season as management, it couldn't couldn't go any better. And the fact I think they showed their character as well by even getting into the top six because you know they were they were doing it. The, they were bottom of the league in October or November. I think I'm right in saying, and, and even then it went right to the wire getting a t- the top six. I know they they had to rely on St Mirren dropping points. I think in the last game, but they did everything they could to to get those points, and I think they were on a good run as well to actually seal the, the points that they needed and I think that just shows their character and then to, to get through two two cup finals, you know, pretty unfazed as well. Like they're just incredible. Like the the spirit they've got is just amazing. Like in Callum Davidson, I've no had any dealings with him. Eh, just with we've been at, at Kilmarnock and stuff. Um, but you know he's he's I don't know how how he's done it. He's obviously uh, Took something at the Tommy Wright playbook. Yeah. But, no, it is, it's incredible. It is, he's, he's done a great job and I'm, he's a great, a great guy for what I've seen as well in interviews and, and stuff and uh, he fully deserves it. Absolutely. No, no, what I love about it, Scott, I, I love the fact that you know, his first year as a manager, he's been in there, he's decided on a formation, he's decided on a, a way of playing a system and he's stuck at it. And I love guys that, that build for the back First and foremost, yeah. because as much as I love to see attacking football and you no know, flair and you no know, teams going forward, as much as as much as the next guy, but you no know, MD, if you know football, you know you can't do anything unless you're solid at the back. And you no, know, when St Johnson were both in the league at the start of the season, they couldn't score a goal. People were saying the strikers weren't they good enough. Kane wasn't good enough. Stevie May was finished. Mm-hmm. Um, Callum Hendry wasn't good enough. But Davison just stuck to the, you know, he stuck to that shape. He drilled them, you know, he's drilled them so meticulously that now that back three are just flawless in, in most of the, most of the games. 
no, rotates the wing backs occasionally, uh, rotates the three in midfield, and then that playing one off the one off the front. And that's the thing. Even months ago, when you're thinking strikers only that great, he would have known that as long as I sort it out the back, eventually these guys will get chances and they'll start they'll start scoring goals. And that's that's the way it's worked out. I mean, it's been it's been absolute textbook the way he's the way he's done it. No all managers pull it off, but he's Callum's done it brilliantly. Definitely. The Browns deserve credit as well, obviously, but like sticking back, this the stop by Tommy Wright, obviously the, the one a Scottish Cup of that, but they gave they gave Callum Davidson a chance. Obviously, it was there at the club with Tommy Wright, but it's, they deserve a lot of credit as well. They do because we've seen it before with assistant managers. I know Callum Davis went away went away and then came back, but yeah. you no, know, sometimes it doesn't work when you just think you no know, that you no know, Tommy Wright's left, we just get to his get to his, his assistant. You no, know, it doesn't always doesn't always work out, but Again, I like the way Callum Davison. No, he took a gamble by going down south, no, and leaving Tommy right, no, and going to explore different things, going to work with Gary Rowett at Millwall yeah. and Stoke, and no, doing it at that level, no, learning under a different a different coach. Gary Rowett will have been totally different, I'm sure. Yeah. And his methods compared to Tommy Wright. Um, so he's he's kind of almost went away and done his his apprenticeship, and then he's felt he was ready, obviously, to take on take on that job and being an ex player. And having been there under Tommy, you no know, winning, winning the Scottish Cup, a bit of pressure on him to go and to go and do well. But I mean, as Lachlan says, I mean, where, where do you go? Where does he go for him? And I said that to him after, after the game on Saturday. I said, how do you? I mean, how do you? How do you emulate this? How do you? How do you top it? I mean, he couldn't do anything but laugh. He just said, I think I'll just need to go to Portugal for a year and disappear. <laughs> and that, honestly, I mean, you feel as if he'd be as well just chucking it now because it's never going to get. It can never get any better, surely. But no, all joking aside, he's got Europe now to look forward to, which is brilliant for them. And I think obviously he'll want to try and go and challenge a bit, a bit higher up the league. Uh, and obviously the next season they've got two two trophies to defend. Never thought we'd never thought I'd hear myself saying that about St Johnson. Brilliant. We'll move on to the playoffs. Obviously, this is where we bring Lachlan in and can I bring him down to earth a wee bit, but <laughs> Ma, right, Dundee obviously won 2-1 in the first leg. My overall thoughts in the game were Kilmarnock were as poor as they've been all season defensively. Dundee were really were really good and should have won. But Kilmarnock, they dug deep and got that goal. And I think it gives them a slight advantage going into the game. But what was your overall thoughts on? Obviously, you follow Kilmarnock all season. But I thought the first half hour Kilmarnock were as poor as they've been all season. Just that negligence at the back that, that's been shown all season. I, I like until most of the game. It, it was honestly, it was one of Kelly's worst performances of the mm-hmm. season. It's that's fair to say. I think even Tommy Wright would agree with that. It's it was just looking at the game. You didn't know who was the Premiership team. That's what I like. You, well, Dundee looked like the Premiership team. I mean, like you know, you wouldn't have thought. Oh, Kelly are the the team fighting for their Premiership lives and. I think it's Kelly are actually in decent form, surprisingly, as well, which is bizarre going into a relegation playoff. Um, but they're just so slack at the back. Both goals were so preventable. Like the first goal, it's as if nobody wanted to take the man on out in the wing. And then you seen Charlie Adam teeing up that pass for about five minutes, it felt like. You just knew the ball was coming to him and he was pinging it in that, that left wing, you know, to the right back. It, just so preventable. And then the second goal, it's as if I feel as if Kelly were probably going to come out firing in the second half. But then when you concede about sixty seconds in, 
caught napping and Gary Dicker, he should be the captain inspiring the team on to, to win in this game. Because like, he's been there before as well. He was there in 2016. He should be geeing the boys up, but he's making mistakes. Like, I know mistakes happen, of course they do, but in a game like that, your captain should be leading by example, really. And It could easily have been 4-0, 5-0. You know, Paul and Doyle had some good saves as much as they didn't cover himself in glory with maybe both the goals. He uh, did some big saves and the, the tie could have been over after 60, 70 minutes. But, but Kelly got that goal, you know, 14 minutes to go or whatever it was. And if they'd have scored again, it would have been an absolute miracle. But, you know, they've really, they are, as you say, they've got an advantage now because all they have to do to at least take it into extra time is win the game. And, you know, you're playing at home against Dundee. You, you really you should be expecting to win that in ninety minutes. So if they if, if they win by one, obviously it goes to extra time. Uh, but if they win by two, happy days. But no, nah, it was it was poor. It was poor. Um, fair play to Dundee though. I'm not taking any away for them. They were they were good. And James McPeak played an absolute blinder. You saw how they were setting up before the game, and they were just trying to say nick a goal, and it, it worked perfectly. So it did. Scott, obviously we've heard the phrase Kyle Lafferty's been so vital since he's come into Kilmarnock but it, it needs it needs they need more than Kyle Lafferty here I think like it's you can't rely on one I know he's, he's I've said many times on this show I think at his best he's probably the best player outside the old firm in the league but I, I do honestly believe that but at times I think Kilmarnock just without him and Burke as well like they're, they're flat uh, that, that's that would be the worry for Kilmarnock getting into the second leg that if Lafferty if Lafferty doesn't turn up, then where are the where are the goals? Where where's the inspiration coming from? Um, that was certainly the case the other night. Um, I mean, I was at the game, and I was I was surprised, like like Lachlan. I mean, I went into it thinking, no, Commander was too much for for Dundee. They were going into it in decent form. No, Lafferty had been flying. No, even Buck and Pinnock uh, in particular had been really good going into it as well. But Dundee were excellent again. Should have won be should have won be more. And as Lachlan touched on that, the, the big thing for Kelly now is how vulnerable they look at the back. Um, you know, I've said for a long time now they've got they've had a real issue with the keepers. Um, yeah. Because I, I don't think either Doyle or Danny Rogers have covered themselves in glory. I don't think they've been good enough this season. I think that's partly the reason why. I mean, listen, they've had loads of problems, but that's that's certainly been one of them. They've no had a no a top keeper that they could that they could rely on to make. You no know, big saves at important times. Um, so I think that's an issue for them. I think the centre of the defence is an issue for them. Um, and Dundee, to be fair to them, you no know, look as if they've got goals in them. They looked hungry the other night. I just I thought they adapt. The conditions were terrible, by the way, I mean, atrocious. But Dundee adapted to them so much better. Uh, as I say, far hungrier. One second balls, one headers, tackles. Um, just seemed to want it a lot more than Kelly, and that 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 surprised me. I must admit, um, but you know, that goal has got them has got them back in it and given them a real a real chance. And they, they would obviously expect to go and beat Dundee uh, at home on the on the pitch. But looking at Dundee, I, I definitely think they'll score because I think Kelly are are so so vulnerable um, at the back and and in goal. So we're going to be a fascinating. Fascinating second leg. If you'd assessed to me before it, well, before the first game, who do you think I'd assess Kelly all day long? But 
have to say, I know think Dundee you know, are, are big favourites, and I expect him to I expect him to score and and win the tie. It's going to be really interesting, but like Lachlan, what, what are you hoping for tomorrow night? The uh, oh, we've we've heard there. I can agree. I totally agree. I think the deal score. I think that Kilmarnock just are so sloppy at the back. But what are you hoping for? A resounding victory for them. Same as Falkirk. Uh, I think it's crucial Kelly get an early goal, at least in the first 10, 20 minutes. Just because Dundee, the longer it goes, you know, nil nil or whatever, or say they nick a goal, they'll be naturally sitting back. And I don't know if Kelly's got enough to, to break through that, especially, you know, two or three times. Because as Scott says, Dundee are. The chances are they'll score, and then that means Kelly need to score three. Like if they're going to win in ninety minutes, uh, put they can take extra time. And you know, a team that's sitting back, put three by them. It's no, it's no easy. It's hard enough scoring one in that situation. So I think an early goal is massive, and it's the old cliche that you know the next goal is the, the most important. And it is, you know, if Dundee take the lead, that's. Kelly will be in big bother. Um, so I an early goal and they need Lafferty to turn up as again as as he's were saying. But the thing is, Dundee marked him out the game and on, on Thursday. Was, I thought they'd done a really good job on him actually. They did. Defensive was brilliant. Like Lafferty didn't he? Obviously, there's the thing he didn't turn up, but he didn't get the chance to turn mm-hmm. up. And that's when you're relying on your Pinnocks, your Kilties, your Bucks to to then penetrate so that they can take the pressure off Lafferty and then that's when Lafferty gets his chances and just they they were so poor you know Burke's been great all season Panic's been good lately Kelty's been good lately but on Thursday they just they just didn't turn up at all Actually, I thought I, just, I thought there was a wee bit of complacency about Kelly the other night it was almost like they went up there thinking you know, we're in good form we've got Lafferty he'll get us a go or two you know, Dundee themselves something great at the back I just, I just got that impression obviously the the weather didn't didn't help, but I mean everything they did was in front of Dundee. It was passive. It was it was a bit laboured. I mean, I just I don't know what they they, they were kind of. They just thought things would happen for them, whereas Dundee actually went out and, and made things happen. You no, know, whether, whether it was Mullen up front giving the two centre backs a, a torrid time, um, whether it was Charlie Adam getting on the ball making things happen. Uh, I thought I thought James McPake did brilliantly. We had him just getting McGee and, and Byrne in beside him, no, for for his legs basically, just getting legs in beside him in the middle of the park and just letting him go and do what he go and do what he does. I thought I thought tactically McPate got it got it spot on. So as I say, going to be f I'm really looking forward to the, the second leg. I think it'll be fascinating. I, I agree with Auckland. If Kelly score early, it'll be a massive boost for them and that'll be a big test that Dundee's kind of strength of character, whether whether they can deal with that, because uh, they will come under pressure. But the longer it goes at 0-0 or if Dundee score, then I think it could be curtains for, for Kelly. Definitely. Kilmarna, obviously, two seasons ago, Lachlan, I'm keen to get your thoughts on this because I've kind of been thinking about this a lot the past couple of days. This is a Kilmarna team two years ago who finished third. And obviously, we know Steve Clark was unbelievable at Kilmarna. The Alessio experiment, obviously, the European result was, was a big one in that bit. Do you think that how bad would it be for Coman the Town if Kilmarnock were to lose their, their premiership status? So obviously, as long as I can remember, Kilmarnock have been in the top flight. Like, how disappointing would it be if they were to lose that? Yeah, uh, well, I've I've been a Kelly fan kind of all my life. Uh, I've never really had that, obviously. Um, 
but it's 28 years I've been in the top flight, so that's longer than I've been alive, which mm. is maybe makes you feel older, I don't know, but <laughs> you must be older than 28, come on. I'm younger than you, I think. Uh, no, but seriously, it, it would be, it'd be devastating for the town, the club, folk behind the scenes, because I think when finance come into it, people will ultimately lose their jobs yeah. over this, you know, that's the, the saddest thing, because because of COVID, like the club's running in a skeleton staff as it is at, at, at certain parts of it. And a year of no fans talked by relegation it would just be devastating. Like, they, they seem to come out of these battles like five times. They've, they've avoided relegation since coming up in 93, but you just worry, is this the time now that their time's up? And it, it would just be devastating. But I think. It wouldn't be as bad as it maybe would have been like in 2010 if they went down because yeah. the club were really in bother at that point if they, if they were going down. Um, I think they'll be all right in that sense, you know, future-wise, but when will Kelly come back up? They're not going to... Do you think that could happen? Do you think of that type of team that, that couldn't just kind of bounce back up like the Hearts have done and things like that? Do you not think they've got that enough kind of resources to do that? I think the issue is they've only got four players in contract for next season. So how many of the big players are going to stay on? Like your Lafferty, as much as he said he would love to stay, I think realistically he doesn't yeah. stay. Kelly go down. I think that's as much as he loves Tommy Wright and being close to home. Like say Hearts or somebody will offer him a word and go back there. Goes back there and other big play- Kelly need a clear out. No matter what league they're going to be in, but. It'll be easier to do that and rebuild in the Premiership, whereas yeah. in the Championship, you know, they're then attracting League One players, maybe that are out of contract, lower end Championship players, and then they quickly become a Championship team rather than, you know, Hearts, who went down, retained most of their squad. And it was a case of, right, let's just get back up and don't worry about it. I just don't think Kelly will have that in them, which is sad to say, but. Uh... Scott, do you think, obviously, We've spoke about Steve Clark and something interesting he said about Carl Davidson as well that he's reached that peak. Like, do you think Kilmarnock reached that peak under Steve Clark? And since then, it's been a case of it's just been a free fall. Like, obviously, Alessio, the Alessio thing, I think, is a keen story in itself. Like, I don't think he done that bad a job, but but obviously the European result kind of hung over him. Do you think it kind of falls back to even then at the, that? Yeah, I mean, you look at a Steve Clark appointment and it was like the perfect storm. Aye. Almost, you know, He was available. He was, he'd been out of work a long time. He was keen to come back. You know, it was kind of his club, if you like, coming back to coming back to Ayrshire. I mean, you don't want to say Kelly got lucky because he still had to go and get him and, and appoint him. But it was it was the perfect storm for him at, at that time. Uh, and he obviously did a fantastic job there. And as you say, it just... It just shows you that when you lose that, you know, the next couple of decisions need to be need to be right. Uh, and if they're no right or you don't get them right, then it can uh, it can quickly be a, a kind of downward downward spiral. Um, they took a big gamble going with a foreign coach. I think any listen, it's whether you like it or no, any Scottish club that goes with a foreign coach, I think, is taking a gamble. Mm-hmm. Fans expect Scottish fans are renowned for their, their patience. Um, in terms of waiting for you know, a culture to change and a, you know, a style of play to change, 
they just want to see results instantly. And going, I think the difficult thing with, with that was you went for Steve Clark, you know, where it's that kind of pragmatic approach, you know, that kind of almost kind of defensive style where I think Alessio wanted to be a bit more expansive and, you know, bring in some more foreign players or whatever. So it was a really difficult transition and obviously it didn't work out. And then, you know, you go to Alec Dyer, who I really like and I think is a really good coach. But a bit like I was saying about Callum Davison, but it doesn't always work with the with the number twos coming in. And I kind of, again, nothing against Alec Dyer, but when he got the job, he kind of thought, is that really the right road to go down? No, you're going to get you know, kind of Steve Clark's right-hand man, but it's not going to be the same. No, he's no, he's no Steve Clark. Uh, I think I think the strength of the Steve Clark appointment was, was having him as manager and having Dyer there as as his assistant, no, it's just that partnership seemed to work. So, again, that was a bit of a gamble and, and it hasn't paid off. Um, and that's, I think, you know, why they find themselves in this in this position. And as Lachlan says, I, I think it's no gimme now that you're going to come straight back up for the for the championship. No, I know it's it's not like a few years ago when you maybe had Hearts, Hibs, even Rangers doing there, Dundee United, teams like that. But even if Kelly went down, if Kelly went down this season, we got Hamilton, Dunfermline, no Rafe Rovers, no Queenie South. It's it's definitely not a gimme, especially when his Lachlan says, "No, you don't know what the squad makeup's yeah. going to be like." Uh, no, he's right. Lafferty, no Lafferty won't be there in the championship. I mean, if, if Kelly get down, Lafferty will have a, a cure Premiership clubs kind of waiting to waiting to try and take him uh, because of the, his recent his recent form. So. It would be a huge uh, rebuilding job, big reality check for for Kelly, and you know, it might take them a few years to get back up. Yeah, definitely. Morton and Edinburgh City kept their, eh, Morton and the Barn, sorry, kept their status in their, their respective leagues. Morton with an impressive 3 0 win over Airdrie, and Dumbarton obviously against beating Edinburgh City. Scott, how big and a big results were they for Gus McPherson and Jim Duffy? Big results, but big, big managers, no experienced managers. Uh, didn't expect anything less. I've uh, I've known both of them no a long a long time, um, and no, you know the jobs that they did going way back to you no know, Jim at Dundee and Gus at, at St Mirren and stuff like that. So I mean, real experience. I think that's what you need in that kind of playoff situation. I do always feel for the the team who's trying to get up, you know, the kind of lower league team. I just think, listen, we could talk about it all day, the way the playoffs are set up, but it's definitely no in favour of the club, the club up above. Um, and you just always fancy them to have the, to have the edge. And obviously that's, that's what's happened. But no, we, we Gus and, and Jim Duffy, um, always expected them to get through their ties. Yeah, definitely. The big story today, obviously, Kelty Hearts are up in the SPFL. Brilliant result for Barry Ferguson and Bob Malcolm and Kelty, respectively. Lachlan, how big a, a result was that for Kelty Hearts? Oh, massive. Uh, I was up there uh, maybe a couple of years ago. Kelly under-20s were, were playing in the, the Pernock's whatever, Wafer Cup. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a great wee setup. it is. It's... Obviously, they're an ex-junior team and they've just showed so much ambition to, I think they were one of the first clubs to take the plunge and, and you know, jump over to the, the Lowland League. And it's great to see that it's paid off for them. And uh, Barry and Bob, you know, they're good guys. They're, they're good football guys as well. So they, they, they've they taken a bit of a, a plunge as well, you know, taking that job on. And 
they've obviously seen the potential and the ambition of Kelty to, to get into the leagues and it's great and it, you know there was all the talk I see they're going to miss out in the playoffs again because you know there was chat about breaking Noban in a playoff again which I think last year there was fair enough arguments for it possibly but I think if they were denied this year again it would have just been bouldering criminals so it would but so it's good that they got their chance and and breaking, you know, at the end of the day, they've came bottom four seasons in a row and whatever league they've been in, so they, they had to prove that they, they deserve to stay in the league and, and ultimately Kelty uh, did the job and it's it's good. I, I'm kind of one of these, as a neutral, it's, I just like seeing a new team and about the, the leagues, it's, you know, like a breaking there, finish bottom. It was the same when East Stirling went down, you know, how, how many years did they come bottom? It's, no. it's just nice to see a team a bit of ambition to come up and Kelty will come up and straight away they'll be wanting to win the league, league two as well like they're not going to come up and be happy to be there and I think that's it just ultimately makes the the leagues and the, the setup more interesting Definitely Scott how big an achievement is that for, for Barry and Bob and the, the whole town of Kelty? It's, it's massive I'm pleased for Barry uh, in particular I mean I, I got to know him a wee bit through him being a record columnist, um, daily record columnist, I got to speak to him a few times, and I remember when he first took the job speaking to him, and um, I remember him telling me about just the kind of overhaul of players, you know, the shift in players, he had to get so many guys out, he's obviously trying to get people in, and he's got a budget to work with, and it's you know, it's done at that level, and I remember thinking to myself at the time, you know, having a wee bit of admiration for him, thinking, well, this guy's done what he's done in the game, you No, know, he must be, you know, he's no short of cash, obviously. I mean, why is he, why is he bothering with us? Do you know what I mean? But it's just his love for, it's his love for football, um, love for you know coaching, the try to make players better, try to get success. We all know he's a winner. He's certainly a winner as a player. Um, so I admire him for that. And listen, of course, they've spent a few quid. People expected them to, you know, to go and go and get up through the playoffs, but he still need to go and do it. Uh, it's no. It certainly wasn't a wasn't a gimme, um, and they've went and they've went and achieved that. I agree with Lock, and I think it's great seeing a new club coming up. Uh, feel for Breakin, obviously, but it doesn't seem that long ago. Breakin won the championship a few years ago. Um, incredible kind of demise, and again, we go back to what we we're talking about previously. You know, making you know, poor decisions at, at, at kind of crucial times, and I think even when you go back to. Uh, breaking, getting rid of Mark Wilson and, and Simon Donnelly, which wasn't that long ago. I know results weren't great, but I know Mark was trying to you know, was trying to turn things around. He was trying to implement change. He, he could see, he could see kind of small signs of improvement. Um, and I genuinely think if they'd have just just stuck to their guns, you know, they might have they might have got themselves up the table and avoided that that playoff. But you no, know, they took the plunge. Decided to get rid of him. Obviously, Michael Payton came in, kind of player player manager and it hasn't hasn't worked out so you feel for them but no please please for Barry Fair because I think Barry's got a lot to no a lot to offer um, given what he did in the game as a as a player the experiences he had. I mean it's always surprised me that there hasn't been a role for him at Rangers. So obviously the club he's he's synonymous with I just think a guy with that winning mentality, you know, that personality again what he achieved it's it's just it's always surprised me that, that he's never Rangers have never found a role for him, but he's not went done his own thing. He was obviously at Clyde, he's where he's took the no took the opportunity at Kelty and and it's paid off for him. So really pleased and I agree with Auckland. I mean they'll come up. I don't doubt they'll spend more money 
the, the summer trying to improve that squad again and they want to give give League Two a right good go. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, you, Scott, you spent you've spent 15 years at the Daily Record on the Sunday Mail, right? What's I'm going to put you in the spot here. You obviously broke a few exclusives in your time. What's what's the kind of ones that stick out to you? Um, exclusive stories. God, you have put me you have put me in the spot. Cussing probably just various kind of transfer things that you you get wind of early. You no, know, you you get right or you get a big you get a big interview that you're really. You're really happy with and kind of has an impact, and people people talk about. Um, or even listen, even if you're working, you know, getting to work at big games, you no, know, and you, you know, you get that kind of back page on a Sunday, you know, the big Saturday games. Um, that, that's when you get the real kind of the real buzz for it. Um, I mean, in terms of highlights, I think I've been so lucky getting to travel you know, all over Europe to America, Canada, covering Scotland and covering clubs um right for you no know, Scotland under nineteens, twenty ones up to the up to the national team and stuff like that. And uh, probably the highlights. I went to the, the European Championships in twenty sixteen in France to cover the group stages, the first kind of major tournament I had worked at. Um that was brilliant, just being part of you know, a, a tournament that size, you no, know, you kind of realise the kind of magnitude of it, going to different stadiums and I went to England v Wales, for instance, I think it was in Lille, if memory serves me right, which is a brilliant game, obviously. Um, so stuff like that, Champions League finals, I've been really lucky, it's been, it was great. Uh, when the Champions League final moved from a midweek to a Saturday, it was brilliant because somebody had to go and go and cover it for the Sunday papers. And uh, I've been lucky enough to do, I think I've done three or four finals now, but the highlight was a couple of years ago in, in Madrid when, when Liverpool Liverpool beat Spurs, um, and I was the only Scottish guy there that night. So to see Andy Robertson, you no know, winning it, you no know, see a Scottish guy winning it, and standing in that mix zone after the game. I mean, it was late. Honestly, get my boss phoning me every ten minutes. You no, know, where's the quotes? Where's the quotes? I just had to wait for Andy. Had to wait for Andy Robertson. I mean, he's he's the only guy I wanted, and eventually, he obviously came out and. Uh, obviously, kind of recognised me for like, Scotland squads and all that. So I think he was pleased to see a, a Scottish guy in there. And of course, you get the interview, and it was quite quite emotional, if I remember right, talking about his dad and stuff. And you know, obviously, what, what, he'd, what he'd achieved. So yeah. night, nights like that, nights like that are, are brilliant. Uh, that's where you get the real thrill. Um, and just as I say, just, just travelling, travelling and interviewing footballers you know, that you kind of grew up watching and idolising. The one guy I always wanted to interview was Paul Gascoigne, and I hadn't done it. Uh, I hadn't done it up until a couple of years ago, and then he was in Glasgow, and I managed to, I managed to go and interview him. Um, people like Mo Johnson as well uh, did a piece for Sunday Mail with Mo Johnson when they came back to to Glasgow for a wee bit. It was just before an old firm game. I managed to get him, uh, and then obviously when you're covering the games in in Europe, you know the, the real kind of big names like. Iniesta and Gattuso and people like that. I mean, that's as I say, you, you, you go for years watching these people and then you can't believe you're sitting there with, with a dictaphone interviewing them. So, no, really, really, really lucky. I mean, then I think you all know as well, the industry's changing all the time. In many ways, it's getting more difficult. This year's probably been the most difficult with, with COVID, you know, and it's been, it's, you no know, remote interviews and Zoom calls, and we've probably lost a wee bit of that. Even domestically, just with you know, the club managers and players, 
you know, you go through the season, you build up rapport with, with people and yeah. it's, it saddens me that we've kind of lost, this season we've kind of lost that a wee bit because it has been Zoom calls, it's been very, very limited, but listen, hopefully we can get back to that. Hopefully I'll get to go to Wembley for the, 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 the Euros game and then hopefully next season we're allowed to allowed to travel again and get back into back into games with the fans. Definitely. I'm a transfer buff. I love the, the transfer stories. What's some of the what's some of the ones that you've kind of that haven't happened that you've kind of reported on? Like is there ones that stuck out? Like uh, I remember remember a strange one. In terms of one that I got I got kind of spectacularly wrong was uh, well tell you two one that I was really happy with that I got right was Emerson Heinemann at Rangers at the time. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you a bizarre story. You'll love this. Um, Mark Warburton was in charge at Rangers at the time, obviously. And I didn't know Mark that well, just for pressers and that. You were getting to know him a wee bit and you know, he recognised your face and stuff. But I think we, we invited him. The Sunday Mail had invited him to one of our kind of dinners. It was like an awards dinner. Right. He said he was going to come, and at the last minute, he couldn't make it. And he told me one day at Murray Park, he was really sorry he couldn't make it. And it was absolutely no issue. No, it was fine. He'd, he'd some, something else had come up. They couldn't, he couldn't make it. I thought, that's fine. But a couple of weeks later, um, I was in the office one Saturday and got a phone call. And I was looking at my phone. It was the number, and it was like, it was like Hertfordshire or something, some place down in, down in England, and I thought it was one of these crank calls. But I picked it up, and uh, it was a woman on the other, the other end of the, the phone, and it was Mark Warburton's wife. Uh-huh. And she basically said, I'd been trying to get a hold of Mark Warburton that day, because I think, if memory serves me right, Rangers were trying to sign the boy John Torral. Yeah. Uh, so I was trying to get him that day to find out what was happening with Torral, and I think Warburton was actually in Spain trying to get that deal done. But I get this phone call from Mark Warburton's wife, I'll never forget it. I mean, you think of how hard that is to get stories and stuff, right? And the, the amount of work you put in. And she phoned me that day and she says, look, Mark's left me a message, told me to phone you. He uh, was really sorry he couldn't make your dinner, your awards dinner. But it was just to let you know, he's signing Emerson Hyman on loan for film. He's left me a couple of notes here. 23 year old, he's an American, he's signing a loan at the end of the season. I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing, honestly. I mean, I thought this is a, this is going to be a wind up, this is one of my mates has put somebody up to this. Um, so it was pretty serial. I came off the phone, spoke to my gaffer, even he was asking, Are you sure this is this is right? But I thought it has to be. Um, so I took the plunge, wrote the story for the back page. And sure enough, Emerson Hyman signed, I think, that week. So, God bless Mark Warburton. I'll not hear a bad word against him. Uh, him, him or his wife. Um, but although I did t- talk about getting one spectacularly wrong, bizarrely, a couple of years later, I think I wrote a story that Celtic were coming in for Hyman. Aye, that's right, I remember that. And obviously that would have been a big story because he'd, he'd been Rangers. And somebody at Celtic had told me uh, somebody that I thought no, I, I could rely on. Had said, look, Celtic are definitely, definitely trying to trying to get him. Um, but I wrote the story. It didn't happen. To be fair, Brendan Rodgers was in charge, and actually, I kind of chinned Brendan 
uh, or I, I grabbed them after a game one day just to kind of, no apologise, but just to kind of explain to him why I'd written it, because he'd had to, he'd had to kind of field questions on it. Uh, I think it, it's kind of next press conference. But typical Brendan, he was, he was brand new. He basically said, look, it's no problem. We did have a look at him. No, it was one that we considered, but we're not going to, we're not going to go for it. So, listen, that's what happens. You, you win some, you lose some. Brilliant. Lachlan, is there anything you want to add? Uh, I had a good one uh, a couple of years ago. <laughs> it was, uh, it was Kurt Broadfoot, know how he came back for St Mirren. Basically, I, I was in Prague just on a, a kind of holiday, right? And I got off the plane coming back and I was in, it was Edinburgh Airport. Never forget it. And obviously you've got your aeroplane mode on. Uh, turned it, turned my phone back on and I, I had a message for a very decent source. Uh, and he says, uh, obviously the rumours were that he was coming back because um, Alessio had left by this point and I think it was Dyer that was in charge. And uh, so all the rumours were that Kurt Broadfoot was coming back. I had to get this text. Good source. Uh, Kurt Broadfoot coming back, a lot of nonsense, nothing in it. I was like, all right, right, okay. So I just put a tweet out. I didn't do a story or anything. I just put a tweet out just because I wasn't, I wasn't actually working because it was in deadline day. Uh, <laughs> and uh, lo and behold, the pictures started coming. I cut Broadfoot's motor at Rugby Park. I was like, oh, fucking here we go. I <laughs> uh, fifteen minutes before the, so I was just sitting hoping the announcement didn't come. Fifteen minutes before. Uh, Kurt Broadfoot, welcome back. Uh, I was like, oh my, in the, the pelters I got, it was just, but I took it in the chin at the end of the day, you know, if you trust a, a source who's been bang on before, it, it, things change in football and Broadfoot wasn't signing at that time, but then other deals fell through for Kelly, so then they've got to kind of go for these backup options and I, I think football fans sometimes don't get that as an ever-changing thing and beginning of, um, beginning of this season Daniel Barkman he was meant to be to be coming to Kelly and loan again and he was genuinely he was in the car on the way up so and I'd obviously heard and I, I put out you know Barkman's pretty much he's coming back uh, deal pretty much done and then he ended up getting a phone call for Watford or oh, uh, Gomez is retiring or whatever uh, do I come in by the backup? And the car turned round. And then again, it's, it's when I get wrong. And I'm like, ah. The problem is now, I think, see with social media, I don't know about other people, but I'm so kind of, no, you're worried about putting anything out because people jump on it now. I mean, uh, when, I, when I first started, listen, you could get word of something, a transfer story, or, and you could put it out and listen, see if you get it wrong. So part of the game, no people accept it. You move on. It's no, it's all saying it's kind of fish and chip wrapper the next day. Nobody, nobody really bothers. But now, if you put something out on Twitter and you get it wrong, no people are only slow and letting you oh, letting right. you know you've got it wrong. So I, 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 I know that that's. I think that's where it, that's where things have changed a lot. I think a lot of journalists now. I mean, you need to be really meticulous in terms of. Checking everything, you no, know, and I, I certainly I think I speak for most of the, the boys that, that I work with. I mean, you wouldn't put anything out there unless you were you were absolutely mm-hmm. certain. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because of that, because you're you're worried about the I don't care what embassies, you don't want to get that kind of social media 
backlash, do you know what I mean? And as Lachlan says, it is unfair because things change all the time. Things change so so rapidly. Circumstances change. Um, listen, it's a really good source, as he said, you, know, you could get two or three spot on. It just happens to be the next one. Doesn't doesn't quite materialise for some reason. Uh, get right. That's the the sad reality. That, that's it. It's and honestly, it's getting tougher and tougher. And even getting stories now um, is becoming you no know, even more difficult because of social media and mm-hmm. you know, bloggers. And I'm, I'm not even a go at, at, at people. At that. That's that's where we are at the moment. But it's it's so difficult. I mean, especially I'm no no wanting sympathy, but look. As a Sunday paper, I would argue it's even more difficult because you, you know, when I first started, you would hear something on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. You'd be absolutely confident that you no, know, it would last until right. Sunday. It, would, it wouldn't come out until Sunday. You, you would think on a Wednesday, brilliant, got a great story here. It's me, you no know, easy week this week because I've got this back page for Sunday. I mean, that absolutely. I would argue 99% just can't happen anymore because if you hear something on Tuesday or Wednesday, it will be amazing if that's no if that's no no by by Thursday or Friday. So I mean I, I tend to find with the Sunday mail that in terms of news stories, you can only really try and go and get news stories or you no know, try and find stuff out on a Friday or a Saturday. And you're even then you're just hoping and praying that it survives until the until the Sunday. And that's just the that's just the world we live in. I mean, I, I remember I always say to people, it kind of summed it up, talking about being at that Euros in 2016. The first game I went to was uh, Sweden v Republic Ireland. And the only kind of Scottish interest, one of the Scottish interests was obviously James McCarthy, mm-hmm. who, I'd, who I'd known for when he was up here at, at Hamilton, obviously. And I thought, I'll wait on him in the mix zone. He'll recognise me. I'll get him for a piece, you know, for the, the paper the next day. Uh, or uh, It wasn't for the next day, it was hopefully going to be for a couple of days in advance. And so sure enough, he came out, he seen me, nobody else, nobody else was interested in him, in the mix zone apart from me. But when I got him and he stopped, because no older players stopped, everybody kind of, you know, was drawn over to him. Uh, and I'm asking, all, obviously, because he knows me, I'm asking all the questions, kind of Scottish-related questions. But I can see there's mics and stuff in at the back of me and there's dictaphones and I don't know who these people who these people are. And I just remember turning round to one of the guys with the mics and saying to him, look, mate, I'm I'm hoping to keep that until Thursday, say it was a Tuesday game. I'm hoping to keep that until Thursday. The guy just looked at me as if I had three three heads. No, he just said to me, and his exact words where he said, Listen, mate, nothing holds. Now, that was his exact words, nothing holds. And I thought, you know what? You're right, because one of these guys with a mic will have you know, some of that interview out tonight on their website or something. Do you know what I mean? That's that's just the, the world we're living in. We just need, we just need to go on it. Definitely. Obviously, yeah, all right. I, there's a few fan questions about a couple of things going on around Scottish football. Are you all right to Ant, give us a... I'll certainly try my best. Right, the $64,000 question is, for a lot of Celtic fans, where are we, Eddie Howe? Great, great question. I wish I knew the answer. Uh, listen, I think it will happen. I mean, it would be a huge embarrassment now for the club if it didn't happen, the amount of speculation that's been allowed to allowed to build up. 
well, we're led to believe that obviously there's been a hold up because he's he's looking for certain people in the backroom team at, at Bournemouth to, to join him at Celtic. Obviously, until yesterday afternoon, uh, until yesterday afternoon, their season was still was still going. So I would expect things to accelerate now. I can only tell people, um, kind of honestly, like, like last week, for instance, I, I managed to get to Eddie Howe's agent, which which isn't easy. Um, and at that stage, the reports were that it was all that it was all done, and he would be he'd be there within the, the next couple of days. But when I, I spoke to him last Saturday, um, he was quite adamant that 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 wasn't the that wasn't the case, and talks were still ongoing, as he as he put it. And that, well, that kind of took me by surprise a wee bit because I was kind of led to believe just with everything that was hearing and reading that that it was that it was almost done. Um, so again, I tried to get a hold of him on Saturday and couldn't couldn't manage it. Um, and normally, when people don't get back to you or don't reply, that tells you that that stuff's happening. Um, so after Bournemouth's season finishing, I would expect things to to speed up. And listen, I like the Celtic fans. I'll be amazed if Eddie Howe isn't eventually named manager. Uh, it has taken too long. I think the fans wanted it done a lot earlier. Quite rightly, um, but I think they will. I think they will get their man pretty soon. Will John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan be associated with Celtic next season? I'd be surprised if Gavin Strachan was still there um, because I think, you know, as we're talking about Eddie Howe, want to bring in his own, his own, his own people, uh, his own men. I think various names have already been been mentioned. And listen, you would expect that. Uh, I think even Gavin Strachan would expect that himself. Um, John Kennedy's an interesting one. I mean, that's a bit more difficult um, because I know how highly rated John Kennedy is by Dermot Desmond and Peter Lawwell. Um, they, you know, they want him to have a role at Celtic, whatever that role may be. Could it be as director of football? I, I certainly wouldn't rule that rule that out. And whenever we've asked John Kennedy about it. In recent weeks, he hasn't ruled it out either. Um, I do think John Kennedy wants to be a coach and wants to be a manager, and that might hold him back if he taking that role. But he is, no, he's he's embedded in that club now. He's, he's synonymous with Celtic. He loves the club. He loves working there. So if a, if an opportunity comes up to be that director of football and work alongside Eddie Howe, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule it out. Um, if that doesn't happen. Again, I'd be surprised if he if he stayed there as part of the as part of the coaching team. I think he would then look at you know, where he could maybe go and start his own kind of managerial career. He obviously, turned in an opportunity at Hibs before. Mm-hmm. Turned in the chance to go with Brendan Rodgers at the time to, to Leicester as part of his part of his team. So, be interesting to see what happens with with John Kennedy. But I know the club would really like to to keep him there in some capacity. It's interesting you mentioned Leicester and Brendan Rodgers because this is the next one. Is Odson Edwards set to join Leicester and reunite with Brendan Rodgers? My gut feeling is that he will. Uh, I think Leicester, I think it just it ticks every box. It makes perfect sense. Um, I wrote a story a few weeks ago just kind of reiterating kind of Leicester's you know, concrete interest in him and I think over the next few weeks that will that will intensify. I know for a fact that Brendan Rodgers wants to bring in another striker to, 
uh, to compliment Vardy and, and Ian Acho. Uh, I know for certain that the Edward is one of the ones that they're you know that they're seriously considering. And as I say, it just it makes so much sense on every level. You no, know, a player who knows the manager, a manager who knows the player. Um, I think he's the type of striker that Leicester probably need. When I look at Vardy and Ian Acho, I think Edward would give them something different. Rogers knows exactly what he's going to get out of him. He's at a great age, a year left in his contract. Listen, as we spoke about earlier, things can change daily, but um, I, I would expect Leicester to be right, right at the front of the queue for for Edward when it comes to when it comes to him leaving Celtic. Brilliant. This is the last one, and then we'll we'll pass it to Lachlan. I've got one for Lachlan. Where what is the situation with Lewis Ferguson? Well, to be honest, I mean, I'm just reading like you're reading. Obviously, bids coming in, uh, the bid for Watford coming in, it was rejected. Uh, actually, I agree with Aberdeen. I mean, for a, pre- for a, a kind of newly promoted Premier League club to come in offering a million pounds. Yeah, it's shocking. Yeah, one of, the, one of the best young players in Scotland. I mean, it's a bit of, it's a bit of an insult. Um, they should know. When you look at some of the players that have been down there, you know, I think you guys like McGinn and Armstrong and that, you know, they, they should know that no, they're never going to get a player like Ferguson for, for a million quid. They've obviously tried, kind of chanced their arm a wee bit, and Aberdeen were right to, to knock them back. Yeah, I think he's now handed in a transfer request on the back of that, so he's obviously keen to, keen to move on, which will be a big blow to Stephen Glass, obviously, who I'd imagine would want to try and build a team around. Um, he's obviously brought in a few experienced players, but he'd want Lewis Ferguson to be part of that. Um, so I... Listen, ultimately, I think he'll probably move on this this summer, but the price will need to be right for for Aberdeen um, because he's a big asset to them. He's on a big, no, he's on a fairly long contract. Um, but when he does move on, I think he'll go on and be a success. I've said this a lot in the last couple of years. I really like him. Um, I know he's been linked with Rangers now in the past. A lot of Rangers fans coming on to me saying, "Ah, no good enough and stuff." I, I don't agree with that. I think. Put Lewis Ferguson in a better team, the better players around him. You really, you really get the, get the best out of him. I think he's got a wee bit of everything. You know, he can pass, he can get a goal, he can play different positions. <laughs> get that wee bit of devilment in him as well. That wee kind of nasty streak in him that that I quite like. I think you need probably at, at big clubs. Um, he's obviously got great mentors and his his dad and his and his uncle to, to lean on as well. So I think he'll go on and have a really good. A really good career, but unfortunately for Aberdeen, I think it'll probably be it'll probably be else, uh, elsewhere. Brilliant. Thanks very much for that, Scott. Lachlan, there's one for you. Uh, Greg Stewart, is he close to going to Kilmarnock next season? Um, not so bad, I've heard. No, I've certainly no no heard anything about it. I think there was there was certainly chat about him coming in, in January um for for the rest of the season, but for whatever reason, that didn't materialise. Uh, I think a lot of that will depend on obviously what league Kelly yeah. is. Again, similar to Lafferty, Greg Stewart will know what he played in the championship. Um, I think if they stayed up, Greg Stewart certainly somebody they'd be looking at to because he he revitalised the team when he when he came initially uh, before, and it was a sole loss. I, I think. If, if he'd have stayed that season, Kelly would have comfortably been in third. And you know, there's arguments they could have been pushing closer to Rangers in second because they went through a spell of like eight games, no scoring. 
after Greg Stewart left and it was a direct correlation and they still came third, you know. So I think he would have been huge that season uh, if he'd have stayed. But it's certainly, I've certainly not heard anything. I think Kelly, they're, they're dealing with and buts at the moment with even their own players, let alone getting, I don't know if there's some, is Greg Stewart, is he contract up this season? Or he's finished. He... All report says he's leaving Rangers at the end of the season, yeah. Right. Um, I don't know. I think he'd be more likely to see him come back to Aberdeen or something, to be honest. But then I suppose it's if they fancy him. Uh, I certainly wouldn't say no to taking him at Kelly again because he was a huge, huge player. But I don't know. I think he'll probably, the way he left, he probably wouldn't want to come back with his tail between his legs. It was a, it was a strange move at the time. So it was definitely. Definitely. Right. Final final prediction. We've one more game left of that season before we get into Euro mode. Kilmarnock Dundee tomorrow night. We'll get we'll get round the round the team. What's the predictions? Lachlan on you. Fire away. Give us the why are Kilmarnock gonna stay up? <laughs> uh, I don't know if I want to say four 0 again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be I think it'll be quite a tight game. And I think extra time's probably the most most likely scenario. I think maybe a 2 1 win for Kelly to take it into extra time, and it's a lottery after that. And who my heart's definitely saying Kelly to stay up, and I don't know if my head's saying that as well. I don't know, it's I was I was really impressed with Dundee on, on Thursday, so it's whether they've I think a lot of it comes down to whether Dundee have got the ball to kind of see the tie out. I think that's actually going to be the biggest factor in it, but I'll go for. Kelly to win in extra time. Kyle Lafferty hat trick. Brilliant. <laughs> Scott, what's your thoughts on tonight, tomorrow night? A bit. Kilmarnock's biggest game, Dundee's biggest game. What's your thinking? I think I need to stick by what I said there. I think Dundee will score. And having watched the game the other night, I, I fancy Dundee now to get through. So I'll go for a score draw. One each or two each uh, with, with Dundee to go. Dundee to go up. Brilliant. That'll do it for this week's episode, Scott. It's been an absolute pleasure to be on the, the show as a special guest. It's been a pleasure. No problem. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Brilliant. Lachlan, pleasure as always. Thanks very much for coming on. Thank you very much, mate. Thanks Brilliant. for having Thanks very much, everyone, for watching. We'll be back this week with a special show on our end of season awards. Thanks very much, everyone. We'll see you soon. Cheers.